Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. doing it, ladies. We are in full summer swing. Here at the Hickenlooper household, we just finished our first week of summer. And let me tell you, all week long, I have been thinking in my head, let's hear it for the homeschool moms. You ladies do this every day, every week, every month of the year. And I stand as an admirer of yours. I'm one of those moms who looks forward to having school done. I look forward to having my kids come home for the summer. I really do. But June, in my experience, is the dashing of all high expectations for both the children and then for me. Because I kind of go into summer thinking, yay, school is done. All those demands are off our backs and we can kind of focus on what the children are interested in and they can be curious about stuff and we can go and do stuff together as a family and you know, really all they want to do is play with friends and there's a lot of bickering and there's a lot of learning how to get along with each other after not having spent hours on end every single day with one another. And, you know, surprisingly, my children aren't really excited about chores. I don't know about yours. And, you know, they don't really think about picking up a book, darn it. They'd rather play with a whole bunch of neighborhood friends, which is good. So June, all high expectations are dashed. We're learning how to get along with one another. July, we usually hit our stride. August, my children finally start sleeping in, right in time for me to start having them wake up early so that they can get to school. So I'm excited for summer to be here, but really, truly, homeschool moms, I feel like I am having to reinvent the wheel each time summer comes, and I admire what you do day in and day out. I'm a fan. Okay, speaking of learning, let's learn today. Let's learn about 1 Nephi chapter 7. Now, if you noticed, I skipped chapter 6. And in several episodes from now, we're going to revisit chapter 6. But we are going to focus today on chapter 7 and really just the first couple of verses, verses 1 through 3. And we find that the Lord has spoken to Lehi again. He said, It is not meet for him, Lehi, that he should take his family into the wilderness alone. His sons should take daughters to wife, that they might raise up seed unto the Lord in the land of promise. And he commanded Lehi that his sons should return to the land of Jerusalem and bring down Ishmael and his family into the wilderness. And so Nephi and his brethren went forth into the wilderness to go up to Jerusalem. Now there's speculation as to who Ishmael is. Nephi doesn't clarify that. And some of the speculation is that perhaps this is a paternal uncle, perhaps that there was already a marriage arrangement between Ishmael and Lehi for some of the sons, or perhaps Lehi's daughters had married into Ishmael's family, or and Ishmael just happened to have enough daughters for the number of sons that Lehi had. We don't know, and that's never clarified in the Book of Mormon. That's all speculation. But what I do find interesting is the lack of mention of Laman and Lemuel murmuring. 
Perhaps Nephi felt been there, done that. We've already recorded how they murmur, or perhaps there just wasn't any. They were happy to go to Jerusalem if it meant them getting a wife. So I just, I don't know, kind of find that funny. But a question also arises in my mind. Why did they need to go back to Jerusalem? Was the family of Lehi so isolated in the wilderness? And some of the reading that I've done indicates that they weren't necessarily alone in the Arabian desert, that there were other nomadic tribes that they could have run into, or that perhaps they were taking a popular trading route. But perhaps it is possible that they could have made marriage arrangements with groups that they met along the way. I believe there is great significance in the wording of the verse, his sons should take daughters to wife, that they might raise up seed unto the Lord in the land of promise. I believe there's a whole sermon here that it takes a man and a woman committed to covenants, to ordinances and commandments of God to be able to raise a family unto the Lord. Remember, the Lord was going to great lengths to remove a people, Lehi's family, a people to preserve not only their lives, but his gospel. His intention was to bless them with the power of the spirit of promise and continue to lead them on the path to exaltation. And he was giving this people the command to raise seed unto him. So I don't believe that the Lord would want an ordinary marriage. A marriage under man's law and man's authority just wouldn't cut it. It needed to be a marriage under God's law and God's authority. A covenant marriage between a man and a woman who were of a covenant people. And they needed to go back to Jerusalem to find such a people. So how important is a marriage performed under the authority of God? How is that different than under man's law? It's crucial. It is the gateway to everything that God the Father desires us to have. And I wish I wouldn't have minimized this truth when I a while back had an experience that allowed me to be able to testify of temple marriage and I did not rise to that occasion. I live in Utah, but I was born and raised in California. And in California, I was very accustomed to not everyone believing my beliefs and not everybody having my standards. And there were some times that I felt different than everyone. I was lucky to have a really good group of friends who kept those standards. And they made it easy for me to be able to make the choices that were going to bless my life. But I was different from my peers, and I did feel that separation. Having experienced that and then living in Utah, I have an empathy for those who are not of my faith and how they must feel that separation. And I also have an empathy for those of my faith whose path looks a little different. And I want to be a beacon to them of encouragement But that desire of mine in this circumstance got the best of me. So I was talking to this woman, and she is a cute and vivacious lady and who who has a talent of making friends. And I really admire her for that. And she's fairly new to the gospel. I think she might be the only member in her extended family. 
but she's married and at this time she had two children and one on the way. And it was my first conversation really with her. And I just remember having these feelings of wanting her to feel accepted, wanting her to feel like whatever her place in the gospel is, she is okay with me. And I wanted her to be able to just feel valued by me. And I can't even remember what we had been talking about. But then all of a sudden, she quickly brings up that she just hadn't had time to be able to go to the temple. I wanted to put her at ease. And knowing some of the trials that she had recently gone through, I wanted her to feel accepted. And so I said, oh, that's fine. It's no big deal. You know, when it's right, it'll be right. And when you get around to it, you know, the temple will be there. No problem. Yeah, I know that it does take time to get there. No problem. It's fine. But as I looked at her, I knew that I wasn't telling her what I truly believed. That the way I was consoling her would not have been adequate to me. And I felt this ping of, oh, you are not, you are not speaking your truth. But the conversation ended and I went on my way. Then I read the focus that President Russell M. Nelson announced that would be the first presidencies. He said that the first presidency would begin its ministry with the end in mind. That end is the salvation of individuals and the sealing of families in the house of the Lord. For this reason, we're speaking to you today from a temple. The end for which each of us strives is to be endowed with power in the house of the Lord, sealed as families, faithful to covenants made in a temple that qualifies us for the greatest gift of God, that of eternal life. The ordinances of the temple and the covenants you make there are key to strengthening your life, your marriage and family, and your ability to resist the attacks of the adversary. Your worship in the temple and your service there for your ancestors will bless you with increased personal revelation and peace and will fortify your commitment to stay on the covenant path. President Nelson also issued a call for the saints to stay on the covenant path. Your commitment to follow the Savior by making covenants with him and then keeping those covenants will open the door to every spiritual blessing and privilege available to men, women, and children everywhere. To those who have strayed from that path, he said, I invite you with all the hope in my heart to please come back. Whatever your concerns, whatever your challenges, there is a place for you in this, the Lord's church. You and generations yet unborn will be blessed by your actions now to return to the covenant path. Immediately, the image of this woman entered my mind. What had I done? Essentially, I had said to her, you know, your gift of the endowment, your personal gift of power to complete your mission on earth and not be overcome by evil is no big deal. You can wait. No hurry. To be sealed to your husband and your two children that, who you obviously adore and who are precious to you, it's not a priority amongst all the other demands on your time. And the one that you're carrying in your womb, no big deal about beginning life on earth 
already in the covenant. It can wait. Get other things done. Your progression in your covenants with God can come whenever. I'm grateful for my sealing in the temple, but obviously I am completely unaware how it is the key to strengthening my life, my marriage, and my family. But there's no need for you to rush towards that balm. You got it. You take it on. You do it all yourself. I personally, I can't imagine resisting the attacks of the adversary all on my own. Especially since I've made these covenants and I still sometimes feel tired and overwhelmed. But there's no point for you to do whatever it takes to fortify your family. And how short-sighted was I about the needs of her ancestors on the other side of the veil. If she is the only member of her family, she may be their hope of being able to get on the path of exaltation through her service in the temple for them. And how completely unaware and ungrateful I was for the increased peace and personal revelation that I have been marinating in that I have taken for granted because that has come to me because of my efforts to be righteous, to repent, and to keep my covenants. And the Lord is keeping his. I had forgotten. I had forgotten that the new and everlasting covenant, the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, was my everything, my baptism and the covenants that I make that qualified me to be able to have a member of the Godhead always with me. The priesthood that blesses my home and my sealing with my dear husband that has ensured that everything we do is building those bonds and those bands of eternity amongst our family. It is a privilege to be on this path. It is a privilege that I have been given, a path that leads me to salvation, immortality, and eternal life, which is the greatest gift of God because it is a God's life. It is to experience great joy, to experience great glory, It's to finally be able to possess all knowledge, power, and wisdom. And it is then that I will finally be able to be the kind of person that I want to be, full of kindness, compassion, and mercy, to be perfect in those attributes. Yeah, sure, it can be a challenge, and and there's there's some sacrifice that's required of me. But you know what? Bless my heart. How feeble are my sacrifices compared to the reward that awaits me? Yeah, there's the sacrifice of obedience, but wow, you know, having to choose right between wrong. To choose things that will bring me eternal happiness instead of temporary pleasure. Bless my heart that I might see it as a sacrifice to actually do what truly matters over the temporary entertainments that entice me. To bridle my passions and gain power over temptation and deception and addiction so that I can truly be free of being acted upon. Wow, what hardships. But that's what my temple endowment asks of me. And therefore, then I am given the power of God to guide me and to sanctify my efforts. And what about my family and my husband and and my desire to raise seed unto the Lord? to be sealed together under God's authority and to live a life together abiding by God's law 
lasts for eternity and into the next world, into our next life to come. Versus man's law, to be married under man's law and man's authority that only lasts on this earth until death do us part. But a temple marriage sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise takes all of our efforts and all of our religious devotions and it builds the bond between each other that will last into the next life. I wish I understood at age 24 when I got married. You see, I thought the day was about Jed and I, but I had no idea that the day was about those spirits that I would be bringing into this world. Children who would be children of the covenant. You see, everyday challenges of life can be difficult, can be difficult to maneuver, and it is impossible to not get knocked down sometimes. But President Joseph Fielding Smith, when referring to children of the covenant, said that they will have greater guidance, a greater protection, a greater inspiration from the Spirit of the Lord. And then there is no power that can take them away from their parents. And of course, this doesn't overrule agency. Our Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, they never do that. But it does mean that there is a greater protection and a greater hope that we can have as parents for wayward children and children who are struggling. It can give us the faith to not give up because these children have been raised unto the Lord. President Brigham Young said, When a seal is put on the father and mother, it secures their posterity so that they cannot be lost, but will be saved by the virtue of the covenant of their father and mother. President Spencer W. Kimball, N. Eldon Tanner, and Marion G. Romney as First Presidency spoke and said, Let the father and mother who are members of this church and kingdom take a righteous course and strive with all their might never to do a wrong, but to do a good all their lives. If they have one child or 100 children, if they conduct themselves towards them as they should, binding them to the Lord by their faith and prayers, I care not where those children go. They are bound up to their parents by an everlasting tie, and no power of earth or hell can separate them from their parents in eternity. They will return again to the fountain from whence they sprang. That isn't to say that the road won't be hard. That isn't to say that we will have to exercise great faith in order to be able to see that fulfilled. But I can't imagine anything that I could possibly do for my children to protect them from the adversary and ensure that they make it back to God than to prepare myself to make covenants with the Lord and to be married in the temple so that I can raise seed unto him. To raise seed unto the Lord was the purpose of preserving this family of Lehi so that a righteous branch could be removed from Jerusalem and can continue on their way towards eternal life. Marriage, therefore, became the prerequisite of being able to enter into the promised land. And not just any marriage, but a marriage between covenant keepers, according to God's laws and under the direction of God's authority. And when you put that into context... I don't think Jerusalem was too far to go. 
sister scriptorians, if you haven't been to the temple yet, make a plan to get there. I'm not going to tell you to wait until you get around to it. Seek after the powerful blessings of fortification that will come to you and your loved ones. Don't go a day longer than you need to without them. And to those who have already been sealed in the temple, I ask you this week to remember what that means. Have a good day.